2015, an elite DFS Army Commando unit formed to bring high-level DFS strategy to the masses. Today, hated by DFS sharks and lineup sellers alike, they continue their quest to turn Joe into DFS Pro. Welcome back for another DFS Army Bold Calls MMA podcast. My name is Kevin Allen. I am your host. I am the founder and CEO of the DFS Army and an MMA enthusiast. I've got the DFS sniper, Sean Ihaz, on the line. What's up, Sean? You know, it's been it's been a long week. I'm looking forward to uh, watching MMA, relaxing a little bit, and yeah, it's a really it's a really good card. So I'm really excited for. Uh, Tomorrow's event. I love it. Me too, man. I think I, this card is a big step up from last week. Uh, we've got E-Rock Fizzles, the cash game assassin, on the line. What's up, Eric? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm ready to get into some fights. I've had a busy week at work, ready to kick back and enjoy a great card. All right. And um, we're, we're doing things a little bit differently this time around as we are opening up a little portion of our podcast to the public, give you a little taste of what we do every week. And we'll be back every week um, breaking down the main card. For everybody, so you can um, get ready for your DraftKings lineups. All right, so we're going to break down the main card for fight uh, to Alvarez versus Poirier two fight night, and we're going to start with we're going to start with just the main cards. We're going to go Alex or Alex the Great Hernandez taking on Oliver Oban Mercier, formerly known as the Quebec Kid, now known as the Canadian Gangster. Little change, little change in the lineup there. All right, so this fight is basically a virtual pick'em, plus 100 for Alex Hernandez, um, minus 110 for OAM. And I'm just going to really break down the stylistic matchup here. I just want to go into the over two and a half round prop, uh, minus 122. So it's about a break-even fight as far as both the odds, the odds of a finish. It uh, Vegas has this basically too close to call. And so we have an interesting stylistic matchup. I'm going to start with OAM because we know a lot more about him. OAM started off really, really high-end grappling, um, submission grappler, basically, who had limited striking. Um, it shows in his 8% KO ratio for his career. He's basically been a guy who gets some takedowns. Not a super extreme wrestler, but he, he's able to get takedowns. Very powerful um, fighter and gets lots of submissions. Um, OEM, it's hard to call him a prospect because he's had a lot of fights in the UFC already. Um, he's only 12 and two, but he's had I, I don't know six or seven, six or seven UFC fights. Really good record. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I right, ten or uh, nine UFC fights. Really good record. Generally wins, um, and does a lot of bit a lot of grappling. Hernandez, on the other hand, is sort of a new breed fighter. Took a was a late replacement in his UFC debut. Took on Benil Dariush as a massive underdog. Came out and promptly. Knocked Darius the fuck out. Shocked the world, basically. Um, and Hernandez is basically a new breed fighter. He's young. Um, there isn't a whole lot of tape on him, which makes this fight fascinating. If you go out there, you look, you research, you try to find... You can get about a couple minutes worth of tape on this guy. Um, not much to look at. We saw the Darius fight. There's 
there's this idea, was it a fluke? He comes out, he kind of rocked him real early. Darius just kind of got all got all rocked and messed up, and he, and, and he pounced and he finished him, right? So you, me, Eric, none of us really know that much about this kid. What I've heard and what I've seen is he's got wrestling, he's got that skill set, he's a, he's a new breed fighter, can do everything, solid striking, has wrestling, takedown defense, so I think to me this fight comes down to can OAM take him down and execute his game plan. I mean OAM an improved striker, but I don't think is a very good striker. I think he's improved and he's doing well and he's getting better. And I love his attitude. It's funny, I like both of these guys a lot. I like their attitude, I like their moxie a lot. So it makes it it makes it a really tough call for me. Um, Sean, what's your take on this thing for um, tournament? What's your approach here? This is actually a really good tournament fight for me. Um, the reason you can't find a ton of tape on Alex Hernandez is because he fights similar to how he fought against Benil Dariush. He's going to march you down, look for a quick finish. Has some wrestling and has the the line value in his favor at this point. Whereas Olivier Alain Marcier, if he wins, I think it's going to be takedown heavy. I think that's where he can excel in this matchup. Uh, I'm going to have exposure to both sides in this fight. Um, in tournaments, I'm, I'm starting to lean more on the Hernandez side as we get closer to fight day just because I think his ceiling is higher. But personally, I'm picking Olivier uh, Alba Mercier to win the fight. So about equal weight here. I think it's a good fight to to target. There, That's not going to be a common theme. I think there are very clear tournament fights um, on this card and a lot of just clear stayaways. This is a fight I will be targeting. I agree. Tournament side, though, looking at these two guys, specifically OAM, do we think he has what it takes in a fight like I, in a fight like this where if he's winning, he's grinding it out? Do you think he can score enough in a win? Because I, I would say with Hernandez, we're expecting if he's winning, he's getting a finish. You know, he's got that KO power. Um, does OAM have the ability to score highly in a win? I think he does through sub, especially. I think his grappling is significantly better than, than Hernandez's from, from what I can tell. Again, not a ton of tape, but I think around a second-round submission uh, or even just a handful of takedowns and some advances, um, the pricing is close enough that I think it will be enough. I think this this could be a lower-scoring week. I'm expecting a handful of big scores and then not much else. I think at the price range, they both could end up in the nuts. There we go. Eric, um, any, any cash uh, game implications in this fight, or are you staying away? Too sketchy. Um, it, uh, it, it's a little bit too sketchy for me in cash. Um, it, just too much uncertainty. Uh, I don't trust it enough. I agree with you on that. I think this fight is probably too close to call um, to read messing around with in cash. And, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Sean, as well. Uh, the fight that I'll have exposure to in tournaments, probably a little more Hernandez than OAM, but definitely not a 100% exposure type fight because I can see a scenario where it also just kind of plays out a little bit boring or a little bit grindy. Um, all right, let's move on to the next fight on the main card. We have former champion Joanna Yevjecek taking on an, a rapidly improving Tisha Torres. And um, Joanna's a minus 290 favorite here. Tisha is a comeback on Tisha's plus 260. Uh, the goes to decision prop is insanely high, minus 410. Okay, and... You have Joanna priced at 9,200 on DraftKings. Tisha, the comeback is, I believe, 7,000. So, 
basically, this fight's going to play out in a very, very specific way. I think we all know how it's going to go. Two girls going to strike. It's going to be a striking battle. So, Sean, do you think this um, this fight has... Uh, or who do you like here? And is this a fight that you want to target in tournaments? No, I'm going to have very little of this one. I'm not going to overthink it. Uh, Joanna, I'm picking to win, although I do think the fight is closer than the line indicates. I think Keish is very alive. For that reason, at 7,000, if she wins, she's got a chance to end up in the nuts uh, for a tournament. Tournament lineups, I'm going to have some exposure to Tisha Torres. She could have some uh, success grappling if anyone does in this fight. It'll be her. She's faster foot speed-wise than Joanna, while Joanna has faster hands, better striking. Close fight, but while I'm picking Joanna to win, I'm actually I'm probably full fading her in tournaments. If she scores big in a three round fight, so be it. I just I don't see it here. Alright, so when you take when you take grappling points off the table with Joanna, then we have to look at how many strikes she's landed in previous fights to get an idea because this is a girl who even even in a five round loss to Rose Namahanas put you know, up hundred and forty five strikes. Um, has gone as high as 225 strikes in, over the course of five-round fights with um, both... Car- uh, th- there were two fights, Valerie Letourneau and Jessica Andrade. And Andrade is, you know, she's a serious fighter. Where Joanna got up to 225 strikes. Now, I just want to do a little bit of math. So, we're going to divide that by five. And you're talking, I don't know, about 40... 40, uh, 40 plus significant strikes per round. So let's say in her best day, on her best day, she got 40 significant... Now, I don't think that she's going to do that to Torres here. But in the best case scenario, uh, we're assuming that she can't get the finish. So in her best case scenario, she's going to do, let's say about 40... That's not her average, but about 40 strikes landed in a round. 40, 80, 120, divided by 2 is 60... Decision, 30 points, 90. Not good enough. Not good enough. There we go. So um, the concept here is, listen, Naya, we think she's going to win, but even in her best day, and, and that's her best day. I mean, she's had other fights where she definitely does not land that many strikes. You know, she'll have 20 or 30 um, strike averages. So even on her best day, she's landing 40 strikes in a round. You're really only talking like a 90. She's not passing 100 points for 90, 200. Eric, um, let's look at the, the the flip side here. Uh, seems like a lot of uh, strikes going to be landed, a lot of points going to be stored. Do you like this fight for cash? Um, I do like it, but the the problem that I'm having here is like you talked about is it's going to be strictly significant strikes. So in some ways, I like JJ. It, it kind of depends on how you're going to build build your cash lineup. But I don't mind Torres if you're searching for value. There is a lot of other value out there, so you don't necessarily have to use her. Um, I would not stack this fight. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there are definitely fighters. Depends on how conservative you want to go with your cash lineup. There are some other fighters on here that have a little bit more upside around her price range. So it just depends on how conservative you're going to be. Is there anyone with a floor as high as Tisha Torres for the money? Because that's Maybe what I look for. for the money. There's lineup. another fighter. There's another fighter that's got pretty good value out there, but um, a little bit more. So um, it's pretty good value, though. but not a floor. So Torres is right. a virtual lock to land, I don't know, 20 strikes per round, three rounds, 60 strikes. So her floor in this fight is 30 points. I think her significant strike rate, she's, she's a little over four and a half uh, per minute. 
significant strike. Yeah, that that gets you to that gets you to about you know that gets that can get you to twenty five. But but I mean, Yon is not the easiest person to hit, and and um, I think I think the floor on Torres is going to be about I don't know twenty eight to thirty three points in a loss. Not bad for not bad for the price. Not bad. No, the problem that I'm having is in the lineups that I have tried building with her in it. Problem is I'm ending up with like a little bit too much salary left over. So it's like, do you want to leave salary left over, or do you want to use all your salary? That that's kind of the dilemma I have. Well, of everyone in that bargain basement price range, she has the best odds to yes. win in my mind. Clearly, she's got a she's got a reasonable price to win. Certainly, um, you know, I think I don't know. I think Ortiz is is, um, but she's he's a little more expensive. But outside of that, um, below the seven two hundred range, I give her the. Best odds to win, but certainly the highest floor, um, which is interesting in cash because sometimes you just want to throw away a spot and you know take the 30, 35 points, and then you know load up on a second on an extra stud that you know or you have a really good sense of is going to not just win but get you you know uh, an 80, 200 point performance. All right, let's move on to the co-main event. Not really the co-main, but the, the people's main event, I guess. Not really, because the main event is actually the people's main event. But whatever. We've got grizzled veteran Jose Aldo taking on grizzled veteran Jeremy uh, Stevens. Another virtual pick'em fight. Another fight that... This card has a lot of these crazy, you know, 8,100, 8,200, 88,000, 8,200 type fights. And it makes it really weird to build lineups this week. So as you start to put lineups together, you're going to see how, how they kind of puzzle together in a really weird way. You either have to take a bunch of these or you have to kind of really go crazy studs, stars and scrubs. And you almost can't because the stars are really expensive. And it really has been interesting putting lineups together for me anyway. So anyway, this is one of those middling fights. We've got Aldo coming off of a loss to Holloway where I didn't think he looked that good. I didn't think he looked that good. But actually... You know, technically, he, he, he landed a lot of strikes in that fight and 44 points. But, you know, it's two knockouts in a row. And this last one was back in December. And he, Stevens, on the other hand, is basically having a career resurgence right now. He's coming off of a bunch of good wins. Um, just very hot. A big underdog against, well, I guess he wasn't that big of an underdog. But as an underdog against Duhu Choi, comes back. Knocks out Josh Emmett. I, I definitely liked him in that fight, so that was good. Um, win against Melendez. He's got he's got a bunch of good wins in recent times. Looking like back to being the the knockout artist um, that he was or we thought of him as earlier in his career. But he kind of went through a long stretch of being a decision sort of machine, and now he's back to sort of knocking people out. Not traditionally a high score. So Sean, what's your tournament take on this fight? Yeah, this fight is it's similar to. Mercier Hernandez for me that I want some exposure to both sides, but I won't get uh, carried away. Unfortunately, this fight is very narrative based. Um, as I was I was talking with with our good buddy Sun Tzu about, it's how shot is Jose Aldo, because skill for skill, Aldo should be the better fighter. He's he's faster. The style wise, the leg kicks are open if you ever throw them again. It's a three round fight. He gassed out against Holloway in the third round, a pace that Stevens isn't going to keep. Skill for skill, Aldo looks better, but he's at the back end of his career. He's been slowing down. He's talking about retiring or not re-signing. Stevens is in great form, and he can counter-strike and hit hard. He could put Aldo on his butt. Both guys, I, I'm gonna, I know Eric's doing the, the cash game takes, but my overall read in this fight is that it, 
It has a sneakily low floor for both guys and sneaky high ceilings. I think it's a good GPP fight. I think if Aldo wins, he gets a really high-volume decision, and Stevens is live to the knockout. So I like both guys, but because it's so narrative-based, it's hard for me to risk anything substantial on either one of them. Eric, what do you say? You, um, you like this fight in, in cash? You got a you got a lean here? Um, when you look at the odds, when I looked earlier, Stevens was favored. I I don't know if he is anymore. Um, he's not. Which means oh okay, no, he's Stevens not. is favored. Uh, Aldo is Aldo is the underdog significantly. Yeah, minus one twenty to plus one ten. If you have, I mean, if you have that last spot and you want to put him in there, I mean, Stevens does technically work in cash for that, but. I mean, we don't know what kind of Aldo Jose we're going to get, so I mean, it's kind of scary in cash for me. But out of the two, if I had to pick one, it would be Stevens. It's just not what I'm thinking of right now. You, you don't have to pick one. You can say I don't like this fight in cash, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw some details here. Just just that's important to know. Um, number one, both of these guys are low volume strikers, three strike per minute land type of guys. They, 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 they wing bombs, and Jose Aldo's really big on leg kicks that don't often get counted as significant strikes by the DraftKings gods, right? So that's one thing. It's important to note that Aldo has a 92% takedown defense ratio, meaning he's not getting taken down. No one takes this guy down. And it's not that Stevens is some sort of a wrestler, grappler type. He, he'll go for a takedown on occasion because he's a, he's a true MMA fighter. But he's not going to grapple. So what are we left with? We're left with two guys who are going to throw three strikes per minute, not enough volume generally to score enough points in the decision without any grappling points to really be in your primary lineup, in your nuts lineup. We've got a fight that's so freaking close that you really can't make a confident call one of these guys is going to beat the other one. To me, this fight, outside of a knockout by one of these guys, and there's a minus 180 over two and a half round prop, uh, minus one three five goes decision. So somebody could get a knockout, and and so then I look at the fight and say who can get the knockout. I find it highly unlikely. I I don't think either one of these guys is going to get a knockout. So I want my exposure very very low to this fight. More of a hey in case it happens, I want like ten percent, twelve percent in tournaments of probably either guy, but maybe a little more Stevens than Aldo. I think Stevens is more of a power hitter. He's got more of a chance to get the finish. Um, Aldo's more of a, of a maybe a technical striker can maybe points up a decision win here. So I'm going to lean Stevens a smidge in tournaments just for the upside of the potential finish. But in general, it's a fight I don't want a lot of exposure to. Um, in any format, it's definitely not in cash and certainly not really in tournaments because I don't think it's going to score. Um, Eric, what did you have to, uh, what did you want to add? Um, I was just looking really quick while you were talking. I just uh, took a glance at our research station, and they both, um, when you're looking at value, um, they both have pretty low value odds for their price. So definitely a fight now that I'm looking into it more. Um, definitely stay away from in cash. So Yeah, there we go. I don't, I don't like that fight in any format. All right, let's go to the main event of the evening. This is an exciting rematch between um, Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier. Poirier is a minus 165 favorite right now. Comeback on Alvarez is plus 155. Poirier is actually quite expensive on DraftKings at 8700 I really should have this open. At 8800 And the comeback on Alvarez, a bargain at 7400 And the biggest thing about this fight is, listen, we've seen it already once. We saw it play out. And it was bananas. 
So I went back and rewatched that fight, and oh my gosh, it was crazy. You know, Poye, first, first round was kind of slow. Both of these guys, well, let's start with the stylistic matchup here. If anybody's going for takedowns, it's probably Alvarez, but chances are this is going to be a striking battle. Um, Alvarez is more, I guess, of a wrestler. You can't take Alvarez down. He's got a 93% takedown defense. It's not happening. So generally you're not going to take him down. I think Poye, you could take him down. He's at 67%. He's also a wrestler. He's a well-rounded fighter. Both of these guys are really, really well-rounded. So it's going to come down to two men enter, one man leave, violence. And we saw the first fight play out where it actually started off a little bit slow. That first round, there wasn't a whole lot of action. Um, surprisingly little. Second round, Poya comes out, kind of rocks Alvarez, really rocks Alvarez. Alvarez gets in the wet noodle legs, and he looks like he's going to get finished. Starts winging bombs. He starts coming back and, and, and messing up Poye. I mean, it was a crazy fight. Really awesome. I thought Alvarez showed a lot of heart. I, saw, I thought Poye showed a lot of poise early on. Really wild fight. I think it could have gone either way. It wasn't some situation where I think Dustin had it won or Eddie had it won. I think it was close. Uh, I thought Poye was winning, but then Alvarez was coming back. So, Sean, what's your take on this thing for tournaments? How are you going to approach this? This is a fight I'm going to have 100% exposure to. I am shoving all my chips in. I think the winner of this fight ends up in the Nets lineup. I know you have, you slightly disagree with me, but it would be a separate conversation. But fight is if Alvarez wins... Look, Alvarez had a, had, had a comment that the way to win this fight is through suffering, and no one's willing to take more suffering than him. He's expecting it to be a war. That actually makes me want to pick Poirier. Like, Poirier's hand speed was a real problem in, in that first fight. He landed, I think, around 20 to 25 significant strikes in round one before things really got insane. He'll have five rounds to work. I guess I'll just keep on Poirier. Worst-case scenario, in a win for him, he lands between 100 and 125 significant strikes. That's about 80 to 90 points. At 8,800, that's not ideal. And in most weeks, probably not enough to get you in, in, in the nuts. But with who's around him, which is a sort by salary, you have people like John McDessie and, and Caitlin Chukagian, not the highest-volume strikers. Like, Joanna's a few hundred more. I think in a decision, he still outscores them. That's in the unlikely event this goes to a decision. I think this ends up finishing. I think his hand speed's a problem. I think he probably gets a finish. If Alvarez does win at his price with five rounds and the likelihood of a finish, Alvarez absolutely, absolutely ends up in the nuts with with the um, inside-the-distance win. I don't think there's any argument there. The little bit of wiggle room I could see is with Poirier, with who's around him, how I expect him to win, how good he's looked recently. I'm going to have a ton of this fight. I'm right now leaning around 65-35 Poirier. That might fluctuate either way with with my final builds. Uh, especially, I wish Poirier had taken a little more time off after his legs had been kicked off the last few fights. Like There's clearly a blueprint to beat him developing. I just don't think Eddie Alvarez is going to go that route. He's not really a leg kick guy. So I like Poirier. Hand speed's the difference. All in in GPPs. Um, yeah, if you're, you need to have exposure to this fight, 100%. Um, Eric, I, I almost don't need to ask you. This is a pretty clear stack the main scenario. Yeah, this is a stack the this is a stack the main scenario. Let other people that are more experienced try to make their decision and use one of them. It who, it it doesn't even matter if it's a first round finish. We're looking for that 120 point 
you know, combined and with that, even with a first round knockout, you're still going to get that. So just stack it. Don't even think about it. Absolutely. And, and um, I totally agree with that. And Sean, to your point, and one of the things I just had mentioned about Poya, and, and this wasn't so much about this specific fight as it is a general philosophy that I have with these fights is, you know, you look at this fight on, on the surface, five rounds, high action, massive doesn't go to decision prop and say, let's own 100% of the fight. And that's a good approach. But when you break it down a little bit further, you have to look at our goal in winning the tournament is I need the sixth highest scores that I can afford in a lineup together, right? And so we know if the under, and this is something I did last week, and it actually really worked out very, very well for me. It got me in the nuts lineup, actually. Helped me get in the nuts lineup last week and win um, win the smaller tournament. I wish I had it in the big one, but I had it in that uh, $1 tournament. But basically, it was the Teixeira-Corey Anderson fight. And people were a little higher on Teixeira, and, you know, he's a higher owned. Anderson was shockingly, you know, only 20% owned. And, you know, I had identified that was beautiful, that. by the way. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But I wish that happened every week. Like such bad decisions. Had so much, so much Anderson. It was great. And and same here. But I, I will say, I didn't fully expect Anderson to win the fight. I just decided on our show, and we talked about it, that this was a hundred percent exposure type of a fight. But as I broke it down further, and I was making my lineups, I kind of got to thinking, and and I was thinking because we knew it was going to end early, and this and that. But I started thinking about Teixeira, and I said, you know what? This guy, if he wins, let's say he wins by knockout in the third round. He's not a high-volume striker. And, you know, okay, he gets this finish because we said the only way Teixeira is winning is if he knocks him out. He's not. He doesn't have the kind of approach, the kind of pace, the takedown. He, there was nothing else he was going to do against Anderson. He just needed to knock him out. Everybody talked about Anderson's bad chin. And I love it when there's a group think about something like that. That really also um, is something I like a lot. So I looked at it and I said, well, you know, as much as I probably like Anderson, maybe a little bit more for the win, I said, Anderson, if he wins, is a 100% lock for the nuts. Whereas Teixeira, if he wins, there's a reasonable chance that he's not in the tournament, uh, the winning lineup, because he, he his type of game doesn't translate to a high-scoring affair. He needs that early knockout. We have a few guys on this card like that, too. We'll talk about it later. But so... I went, even though I like to share more, like slightly better to get the win, I had more exposure to Anderson because I knew if I wanted 100%, I don't want to go 100% on Teixeira. So I went 50% Anderson, 40% or 38% Teixeira, mainly because I figured Teixeira doesn't just need to win the fight to be in the nuts. He also needs to have a very specific early finish for that to work. So that was two factors working, and the odds of both of those things was less than just like, okay, I like him to get the win. Whereas Anderson, if he got the win, was a lock for the nuts. So it's just one of these important things to recognize when you're setting up your tournament entries. Not your not your cash game. Cash is different. We look at different things. But in the tournaments, it's really important. Or what I do, even if I feel like it's an all-in fight, a lot of times the underdog is really, even if you like him a little bit less to get the win, but you like them both, you're not really sure, you got to get more exposure to the underdog just because of the level of certainty that if he does win, he's in the nuts. So it's like a secondary probability that you have to worry about with that higher-priced fighter, not just winning, but being in the highest-scoring lineup. So that's where you don't want 100% exposure, because if you're wrong, you can't win the tournament. And if you can't win the tournament, you can't bring home the cash. All right, so that's it for the public portion of the show.
Um, we're going to continue. Uh, if, if you're new to this, you've never heard this before, you're, you're not a DFS Army VIP member, my goodness, what are you thinking? Go to DFSArmy.com. Sign up. Use promo code GEEK. Get 10% off. You'll hear the rest of this podcast. You'll get access to the Domination Station Optimizer, tacking tournaments. We have an incredible crew of coaches. What we do is like no other group out there. We don't just have high-level projections. We match that up with incredible tools like the Domination Station, our research stations, our, our simulation models, all that good stuff. We back that up with coaches that sit in our Slack group. They answer your questions. They break down the slates. There's nothing like it out there. Check it out, dfsarmy.com. Sign up. Hear the rest of this breakdown. And, you know, I look forward to seeing you guys in Slack. And if we don't see you there, we'll be back next week with another main event breakdown. And I will see you in the lobby. Chief ST, hit me up head-to-head. Thank you for listening to the DFS Army podcast. Join the DFS Army today and gain access to our private Slack chat, where you can chat with real DFS pros and coaches, as well as other DFS Army members with winning track records. Also included in your membership is access to our premium articles, DFS Army weighted projections for every sport we offer, from NFL to MMA weekly player picks and cheat sheets the strategy vault of timeless concepts and the dfs army domination station a truly state-of-the-art lineup optimizer offering your personal projections or ours the dfs army membership is the best value across the industry join today and get two free ebooks as well as the secrets to unlocking a new level to your game. Game.